Welcome to Wild Hearts Club, a podcast encouraging vulnerability, conscious communication and aligned action. So after a few tests, that was the result. And to be honest, it was pretty devastating um, to be told that you might not naturally ever conceive or you might not be fertile, that you're always going to have trouble finding balance in your body. It was, it's a hard pill to swallow. It makes you feel really unfeminine. I'm Nikki J. Thank you for listening. And the voice you just heard is Sherry Johnson. Sherry is a yoga teacher, doula, and founder of Top Knot Nutrition, a learning platform that encourages open conversation around women's issues. I've known Sherry for a few years now, and it was an honor to sit down with her and hear more about her journey being diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome, which is a hormonal endocrine disorder which affects approximately 5-10% to of the female population. Sherry tells us about her experience and how this led her to launch her own business in the pursuit of building a community of women who can rest in the knowledge that they are never, ever alone. And with that, I'm super excited to share our conversation with you. Sherry, I'm absolutely thrilled to be having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Let's begin, Sherry, with you sharing a little bit more about yourself. So I'm Sherry Johnson. I am a holistic nutritionist and a yoga teacher uh, based out of Toronto, but I'm originally from a small town in Saskatchewan. So I graduated from high school. I moved to Calgary for a few years, and then I ended up out in Toronto, and I've been here for nine years ever since. So it's been kind of a journey. I'm a city girl, but always a small town girl at heart. (laughs) I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey that led you to becoming the founder of Top Knot Nutrition, which is, of course, a learning and conversation platform that centers around women's issues. Tell us a little bit about that. Right, so I graduated from my holistic nutrition school in 2015 and I was a little bit at a loss of how I wanted to practice or how I wanted to help people. And it was around actually that same era where I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I had come off of hormonal birth control pills, which I'd been on for over a decade. I went to the doctor because I wasn't getting any periods back. I was getting a lot of really crazy outbreaks. I was gaining weight. Um, I had some kind of hairs growing out in weird spots and I was really confused as to what was going on in my body. So after a few tests, that was the result. And to be honest, it was pretty devastating um, to be told that you might not naturally ever conceive or you might not be fertile, that you're always going to have trouble finding balance in your body. It was, it's a hard pill to swallow. It makes you feel really unfeminine. And the, I mean, that's what we're built to do, right? We're built to have babies and it's supposed to be easy and everything's supposed to come so naturally. So that felt like a big hit to my self-esteem and uh, it made me realize that I really wanted to help other women who were going through some tough hormonal issues or tough things centered around uh, a topic that's still a little bit challenging to talk about openly. I think it's really beautiful that you've been able to take what is, you know, some quite devastating health news and really use that to fuel um, the development of your business. So tell me about 
what your ultimate mission is for Top Knot Nutrition. My ultimate mission is my greatest wish for any woman out there is to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter how weird or gross or squeamish it may make you feel that you are never ever alone. There's always somebody who is going through it, who has been through it, or who will go through it. And I think that it's so important to open up those topics of conversation and to create a space where you can talk freely without judgment because it's so much easier to tackle a problem when you have support. You need your network, you need your gals. And so that womanhood, that sisterhood, it's so important to cultivate and I'm really honored to be just a small piece of all of that uh, motion moving forwards. So with your experience, what are you finding to be the current state of conversation around menstruation at the moment? For sure. Um, I find that menstruation, it's still as as much as there's becoming this shift towards authenticity, which is actually really cool to see the last few years. There's been a lot more, you know, body positivity movements. There's been a lot more um, re- exciting things when it comes towards uh, niche markets and women's health. There's, you know, people are talking about endometriosis, talking about PCOS, talking about periods and babies and miscarriages and, and, and realizing like, oh my gosh, there's so many people going through this. And I feel like menstruation is still somewhat of a taboo subject. We're lucky in North America that we aren't sent off into huts to menstruate for seven days because we're considered unclean, for instance, where some places in the world obviously menstruation is a really challenging and uh, dark time for a lot of women, even though it's so completely normal, so completely natural. So I think that the conversation has becoming a little bit more open towards menstruation, but I think that it's still shrouded in a little bit of mystery. So having these kind of platforms is an exciting opportunity to educate and to empower. What's one of the most surprising discoveries that's come to your attention throughout this journey? Um, I think the thing that has surprised me the most is that a lot of men are actually way more interested than you would have ever thought they would be. So for instance, my, my partner Brian, he has brothers, male, lots of male cousins, um, just a, definitely a dude. And uh, he's actually been super interested and super supportive of my of my teachings and of my journey and there was one instance where he saw my menstrual cup sitting on the counter in the bathroom <laughs> and he was like oh my god what's that like what what what's that where's that going and I was like it's going at my vagina it's gonna collect my my period and he was like oh my god he's like that really sucks like that's really big <laughs> and I was like thanks sweetie I was like but it's actually okay and he was like he just kind of had this look of like whoa you know it kind of I think something kind of clicked for him a little bit there he was pretty um he was he learned something that day (laughs) (laughs) so I think you know give men some credit they they want to learn I think they're interested they you just need to to offer that information in a digestible format because there is so much interesting stuff to know and to learn more about your partner to know the days where she's going to be a little bit more and days where she's going to be more energized and it's actually a cool learning experience for both of you and what are some of the most common misconceptions you're discovering women have around their own bodies and their cycles i would say the biggest misconception these days is that you're always supposed to feel the same 
that your period is only five days or seven days long. And that's the only time out of the month where anything should be any different. Where in reality, your body is in constant flux. There's hormones crisscrossing, arcing and swooping, and every hormone will affect you in a different way. Energy levels, cravings, uh, there's all sorts of different symptoms that can arise from these different shifts in hormones. So for instance, we have four different separate phases of our menstrual cycle itself, and each one comes with its own benefits and drawbacks. So I think that's a really cool thing to start learning about, especially as a woman, especially as a menstruating woman. Great. I mean, you've just mentioned the phases. Let's dive in there. Tell us a little bit more about the different phases of the menstrual cycle. So um, your follicular phase is uh, technically the very first day when your menstruation So the first day of your menstrual period itself, your follicular phase has begun. So in that time, in your period itself, you can consider consider that like the winter season. So it's a time of introspection, of reflection, of, uh, you know, taking it down a notch and your, your lifestyle should reflect all of that energy, right? It's a great time for bath, to journal, all of those really nice soothing intention setting activities. And in that time, your progesterone and estrogen are at their lowest levels. So typically, obviously, your energy will reflect that as well. And then as your period finishes, like say five to seven days, I mean, most women are around five days, then your follicular phase really gets to kick in a gear. You can think of that as like your springtime. That's when the blades of grass are poking through. Everyone's (laughs) feeling good. Your energy level, your estrogen is starting to really sharply increase. And that is where you're going to get that beautiful dewy skin, where you're going to get that feeling of like, I can do everything and anything, that kind of sexy, womanly vibe. And all working up towards your ovulation. So that's the whole point of the whole cycle is to mature an egg, to release down the fallopian tubes to hopefully get it fertilized. And you'll get a nice pop of testosterone, which will obviously make you a little more frisky, a little more sexually active, um, wanting to do a little bit more of a sexy, you know, if you feel it in your body, you just feel really good, right? Yeah. That's your summer. It's a great time to take on like a power project it's a great time to take like a spin class anything that's exerting a ton of energy mm. that is like a perfect time to plan around it and then if you don't get fertilized which most periods let's be honest obviously you're not getting fertilized every period <laughs> into your luteal you can consider the fall the autumn the season so that's when estrogen starts to fall and progesterone starts to pick up so progesterone will start to make you feel a little bit more a little less, a little less goddess-like, a little bit more, you know, introspective. You're kind of collecting all of your nuts for harvest. Uh, when estrogen falls, uh, it's actually a really interesting thing. Your serotonin levels tend to dip when your estrogen levels fall. Serotonin is our feel-good neurotransmitter. So your body has one really great cheat code in order to release more tryptophan, which is the precursor, amino acid precursor to serotonin, mm. and that's carbs. Mm. We get <laughs> so all of our why we want our cravings for carbs? Because your body is just trying to find that balance, right? Mm. So when you eat carbohydrates, your uh, pancreas secretes insulin. The insulin helps to release the amino acids in the blood to release that tryptophan to make more serotonin for you. So it's actually a really cool process how everything is so interconnected and how the movements you make and the foods you eat and everything is super uh, involved with the entire cycle. Our cycles are such a funny experience to navigate and 
and it looks so different for every woman. Um, I mean, I remember when I got my period for the first time, um, (laughs) I shared the news with my mum and she (laughs) basically jumped up and down for joy and called her best friend and practically wanted to throw me a party. It was like, welcome to womanhood. And I remember my mum thinking, oh my God, my baby's growing up. Um, what was your experience when you sort of got your period for the first time? And have you always, um, had a very open relationship with your body in that respect? I think that I, I, like you had a really supportive mom who took me out for ice cream after I got my first period. I was the first one she, I I showed her and she was like, Oh my God, that's your period. You became a woman. And we both, you know, screamed and danced. It was a really exciting time. So I definitely feel you on that. And uh, on that note, my mom has always been incredibly open and uh, honest about about her sexuality, about sexuality and her body. And uh, it was always a really easy thing for me to ask questions. I remember around grade four or five, that would be when you're starting to get those first kind of wisps of puberty and things are starting to shift a bit. And I just was asking her question upon question upon question, asking her all about where babies were coming from. I think we started taking sex ed that year too. So, you know, adding more fuel to that knowledge fire. And uh, she finally, she just goes, you know what, why don't you just take a a hand mirror from the the bathroom? And she's like, and just go have a a look and you'll see what you see. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So that's so great. Yeah. So I spent quite a while, you know, looking at, looking at my own vagina, which I, you know, as you, you can't really see what's going on when you're looking down the way that a boy can, you know, you can obviously see around your penis and your testicles and everything like that. Whereas with a woman, everything's a little bit more hidden, a little more secret (laughs) garden-esque. So this was unlocking the keys to the garden. (laughs) And so, and you know, for instance, learning that there's more than one hole where, where you pee and menstruate and poop out of like some uh, what a failing of the system of there's some women who don't actually know that Mm. so you know I've always been really fortunate and always felt like that was just common knowledge whereas I think for some women it's not and I think we I think I take that for granted that I I feel really comfortable talking about things I feel comfortable talking about you know my own cycle I mean there's definitely some trepidation when I first started but I thought you know what to hell with it like whoever doesn't want to look at it doesn't have to look at it yes so that's why I was like you know we're just gonna keep going and I find that the more I talk about it the more women love it we love talking about our periods Uh, it affects 50% of the world so of course we want to talk about it you know we want to we want to go into the nitty-gritties we want to we want to compare and contrast we want to know if what we're going through is normal or not or or a version of normal every woman can go can understand that feeling of the second when you get your period you're like when you're sitting in a chair in in science class or whatever and you're like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh Wow, it really is this like seasonal, this monthly seasonal adventure that we seem to go on as women. Um, I guess one thing I'm really fascinated about growing up in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s, um, we mostly had access to pads and tampons when it came to our periods and nowadays we have um a bunch of 
different alternatives available, including menstrual cups. Um, we have some amazing organic products that we can be using. I'm wondering what your experience with these are and if you could shed a little bit of light on that. Yeah, so I mean, like like everything, all different kinds of sanitary products have their pros and cons. I mean, we were taught in grade five or six or whatever it was about tampons and pads and that was kind of your gold standard. And that was basically what is available and what we are, what we have been using, what I did use for eons. Um, what's kind of new, old new on the market, I mean the crunchy hippie ladies have been using it for oh, a couple decades I think, but something new that I've been using is a menstrual cup. So a menstrual cup is a silicone based uh, reusable uh, product to catch your uh, menstrual fluid. So the way it works is you fold it up you stick her right up there, <laughs> you let it unfurl like a flower, <laughs> you give it a 360 degree spin so that it seals around your cervix, and then it just hangs out there all day, but it collects everything, and you can take it out every 12 hours, you just dump in the toilet, you wash it on the sink with soap and water, and you stick it right back up there. <laughs> wow, okay, so that sounds amazing. Um, I haven't used a menstrual cup yet. Um, I'm definitely fascinated by this what I mean what does it feel like especially for those of us listening who are maybe curious about um, embarking on on menstrual cups as as an alternative there's definitely a sensation of fullness the first little while you're using it but I, I always equate it to remember when you started using tampons in high school you definitely knew they were in there yeah. and when you when you weren't putting them up properly or high enough you really knew that they were in there mm. they have to have you have to find that sweet spot with tampons and it's the same thing with the menstrual cup so if you're thinking about starting to use one I mean there's all sorts of different brands I personally use a diva cup uh, there's a couple different sizes that they offer for if you had children or not you know your body will shift a little bit there's all sorts of different brands and shapes uh, they all achieve the same thing so one menstrual cup for for one person might not work as well as the other one does for another one so don't be discouraged if you get one and it really doesn't work after three months I find three months is sort of the sweet spot three cycles you should know whether or not it's working for you and uh, definitely don't be shy I mean obviously Brian saw mine on the counter and he was pretty intimidated <laughs> But I think we're resilient and we'll, we'll figure stuff out and it's all good. <laughs> so it kind of sounds like a little jar that you like stick up there and just sort of twist and seal. <laughs> you seal you know? it like a jar for sure. And if you don't get a proper full seal, she's going to leak. <laughs> okay. And then there's the cleaning process. So obviously we need to keep everything nice and sanitary. So, so how does that work? I definitely recommend doing it at home when you can it's I've done it in a public bathroom a couple times which is not fun because you don't have an opportunity to wash out with soap and water unless you go into a bathroom that has a sink mm -hmm. in the actual private stall which is a good thing to look for if that's what you absolutely have to do um, but yeah you just all you have to do is simply you just wash it out use soap and water hot water give it a good clean dry it off the best you can in the sink and then you just fold it back up and stick it back up there and after your cycle is finished 
you can boil the menstrual cup on a stove with in a small pot of water. I mean, it looks it's like you're <laughs> boiling eggs, but it's you're boiling menstrual cups. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those things that can feel a little squeamish, but you know what? It's it's it sanitizes it. Nothing like boiling water to really take care of anything lurking. You don't want to put yourself at risk. So whatever little bit of squeamish you wash your pots. Who cares? You know, if you cook meat, it's the similar sort of thing. So, True, actually. So whatever, yeah, right? It's like our just, own body. It's our own body. Who cares? Mm. Uh, so that would be that would be my uh, my tip for it is don't feel don't feel awkward or shy. I mean, that's again about that that taboo sort of around menstruation is like, oh wow, like you know, boiling a menstrual cup on a stove. It's like, yeah, well, no kidding. <laughs> it's you know, you boil boil baby bottles. You boil, you know, everything to sanitize. Everyone shits. Everyone shits. So, <laughs> so it's just one of those things that you just do it and yes. don't worry and don't worry about it. Yeah, right. For me, I'm definitely interested in exploring this because I find that um, some of the pesticides and toxins that are used to create pads and tampons is is a little concerning. Um, I really don't want to be putting that on or in my body um what are your thoughts around that so if you're using tampons i definitely suggest moving away from the conventional tampons uh cotton is a really heavily sprayed crop with pesticides it's bleached and processed and the um actually the beauty industry doesn't have regulations on it in the same strict way that the food regulations mm. uh, operate so that's shocking it is it? kind of shocking and you know they can put fragrances on tampons and pads which is also super upsetting to your vaginal ph you don't want to be putting scented products up your vagina so making sure that if you want to use tampons and pads try your best to when you can use an organic brand use an unbleached brand at the very least so at least that way you know, when you're having a piece of, of tissue up your body for up to eight hours every day, day on, and like for, you know, I don't know about you, but when I use tampons, I would just take one out and put the next one in. Yes. So you'd have tampons in for 24 hours a day for, you know, four or five days. Yes. So I would say be really mindful of the products you choose. And yes, they might be more expensive, but your health is worth it. Yes. If you buy organic food, you should buy organic tampons. <laughs> It's a pretty, it's a pretty, a pretty natural uh, progression. I would think is just to take care of that. I love that menstrual cups are non-toxic in that way. Silicone is a non-toxic medical grade material. Mm. Uh, it's reusable, environmentally friendly, and you're also taking a ton of plastics and disposables out of the landfills. It's an environmentally friendly option for any of you crunchy mamas who yes. are looking to lower your your footprint or your impact against uh, against the, the environment. And uh, you never have to worry about being without. You don't have to worry about making a bunchy toilet paper pad in the bathroom. <laughs> oh. For all those reasons, I really, really do love my menstrual cup. Yes, there's a learning curve. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I would suggest using a panty liner for the first few cycles or having a backup pad just in case. Make sure that seal. Make sure like. that seal. You know, seal your jar properly because it takes a while. And for the love of God, you want to keep your fingernails short. I learned that lesson too late. <laughs> Couple yauchies on inside of my badge from uh, my my learning experiences so as you're learning and taking your cup in and out because it is quite wide uh, you can always use a water-based lubricant or even coconut oil for a short amount of time you don't want to use it too long because it will break down silicone eventually but Mm. while you're learning nothing wrong with using a little bit of lubricant and getting more in tune 
and once you become more confident you'll you'll wonder how you ever used to use tampons or pads. Wow. Yeah, it's great. There's actually another really cool product on the market, the period panties. Okay. I don't know if you've seen these, um, but there's a couple companies making them now. NYX is the one, a Canadian company making them. And basically they have a carbon lining in the, uh, in the, the, the pad, the pad lining of the uh, crotch lining of the, of the panties. Yes. And they can absorb up to between one to three tampons worth of liquid. Wow. Really cool. And then you just wash them like you would normal underwear, let them set to dry, not in the dryer. And you can use those as a safeguard to prevent leaks. Great. So it's a really, really cool option. And, and for any moms who are getting a little incontinence after birth or mm. your pelvic floor is weak, they're good for those little sneeze peas too. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a whole thing to have to deal with too yes. after you have a baby, right? So this way you're not having to use any kind of depends or any kind of adult diapers. You can use these really sexy, they're like, they come in really beautiful shapes and colors. There's thongs, there's like awesome full high waist grannies. Wow. There's all these really cool uh, versions and they make some with like sexy mesh. So you never have to feel like, you know, you never have to feel dowdy. Yeah. You can feel really good and feel really good about your period panties. Okay. So moving on to birth control, what is the relationship between hormonal birth control, um, non-hormonal birth control and, and our moon cycle? Well, obviously some hormonal birth controls, like the birth control pill, they completely shut your ovaries down so that you don't produce any eggs. So when that happens, you're not getting that same benefit of the cyclical estrogen progesterone you're on an artificial typically most pills these days are are progesterone progestin based pills so you're not your body's fooled into thinking it's pregnant all the time so you're kind of, you're missing out on all these really wonderful ebbs and flows of your natural body's rhythms and and I definitely am not saying that you shouldn't be on birth control pills it's your choice in your body and whatever uh, birth control method works best for you is definitely what you should use but it's something to consider um, if you want to start feeling a little bit more connected if you have been feeling that disconnect if you have been on birth control pills for decade then it's something to think about because as we get older I think you know as when I was starting to approach my 30s is when I started becoming more interested in my fertility and then I learned I had an endocrine disorder and it was like oh man I'm glad I know now not you know coming off the pill at 35 and mm. going well why can't I get pregnant and having to do all of the work already you know all the years of fixing and, and adjusting now it's all kind of being done yes so I had I was on birth control pills for about a decade yeah. I switched them to a Mirena hormonal IUD which will affect your ovulation sort of um, it doesn't completely shut down the ovulation the way that the pill does, um, but the, the science on it is they still don't quite exactly know how much you're actually ovulating, how much you're not. So once I was on that, it started to, I started to get a little bit more of a cycle back. And so then I decided, you know what, it's time for me to really cut the cord. And I went on a copper IUD, which is a non-hormonal IUD. IUD. Uh, it's not for women who have really heavy cycles or are really uh, heavy cramps because it does increase which I have noticed mm -hmm. <laughs> my periods are definitely heavier and crampier than they ever have been before mm. but for me it's worth it because I'm still protected against pregnancy I still have my choice my options are still available and yet I'm still now I'm actually connected to my own natural cycle so there's a lot of different kinds of options for birth controls but as it relates to the moon cycle and everything you're not going to really get fully the full benefits of uh, cycle syncing when you're on hormonal birth, birth control. You are on synthetic hormones. 
right? If you do want to play along, you can always uh, follow the moon instead. So the new moon would be like your period. Then you're going along the crescent would be your follicular phase. Ovulation's the full moon, the, the big, the big mama baby. And then you're going to come down back into new moon, which would be your period again. So if you are interested in cycle syncing and you are on hormonal birth control, you can still play along and you can still play within the cycles that way. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've had um, a very up and down journey with my own cycle um, and with hormonal birth control. Um, I began taking the birth control pill as a teenager um, as a way to manage uh, acne that I had for most of my teenage years and into my early adult years. As, as we all, lots of us did, right? There's a lot going on. Yeah, so I was ultimately on birth control for more than half of my life. Wow. So when I came off it, it actually took me close to two years to get my period again, which is is wild um and I was telling you recently that I had this really magical moment where um my period finally arrived and I was a couple of cycles in and I literally was synced up to the new moon so for a few cycles in a row I could count um, to the moment that it was the new moon and invariably I would get my um, I would get my period which was so exciting it made me feel like a complete goddess it's a way to make you feel so big and so small like you really are you we we tend to forget that we are just animals on the planet you know there's so many cool cycles that happen in in other animals i mean there's sea turtles that lay their eggs only on full moons there's 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 so much of of that um the moon reflected in nature you know our cycles are 28 days mostly you know give or take and then the moon's cycles are 28 days so it's it's crazy to think you know that we aren't really intrinsically connected Mm. with our environment and with the moon we sometimes will forget that we are connected. So we've talked a little bit about um, the menstrual phases and I'm wondering if you could share with us some actions that we can take during each of these phases that sort of best support us um, along our cycle. Well, I think the, the most important action to take before anything else is to download a period app. So there's tons of them available. I use this one called Clue. Uh, it was created by scientists and gynecology uh, and gynecologists, and it helps you really connect your mood, your cravings, your energy levels, your you know horny level horniness, like all of these different things you can track each day. You wake up, you see how you feel, you tag tag tag, and it helps you really connect how you're feeling in that moment to where you're at in your cycle. So if you're a newbie and you're wanting to start, I think that's the best place to start. And there's obviously so much more in depth you can go when you're in your follicular phase, you know, your estrogen's high, so you're gonna be wanting to increase your fiber, for instance, because your liver is the organ that breaks down and detoxifies excess estrogens. So if you're constipated, if you're stuck up and you're being, you're those uh, waste products are going through your body and not getting excreted properly you can reabsorb them through the large bowel you can start getting these pesky symptoms of estrogen dominance which is like you know your bad skin your moodiness your big heavy sore boobs all of those kind of things can start to crop up so 
there's little things like that you can do. And when you're in your luteal phase and you're feeling, you know, PMS and cranky, you can give yourself, allow yourself that time to rest. You know, give yourself your break off of your routine, your workouts, and just know that you are allowed to deviate from routine. I think as people in this society, especially especially in North America, it's like go, 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 productivity at all costs. Mm. But as women, we're cyclical and you can't expect every day to be exactly the same kind of productivity. Some days will be more, some days will be less and give yourself that permission to have those slow days and especially when they align with mm. your cycle. Yeah, I found that I mean, it becomes a really beautiful invitation to release a lot of self-judgment. So um, I've just been a lot easier on myself in terms of how I'm showing up on any given day, knowing that my process is cyclical cyclical and not linear. Um, it just gives me permission to really sink into how I'm feeling um, and just being myself, I think. We have to get out of that mindset of the 40-hour work week, the eight-hour days, the Monday to Friday, that everything has to be, you know, scheduled and slotted so precisely, you know, yes. and and to know that, hey, you know, my body is not going along with that right now, and so where I can, I need to back off or I need to increase. Yes. It's, it's actually, what it is, is it's, it's being present, and presence is something I think that is a really challenging uh, skill to learn. I mean, I'm definitely still working on it day to day and I teach yoga so that I preach presence constantly. And I feel like such a fraud sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, be present. And then I'm like, well, I'm, I'm while I'm doing my list of things to do in Shavasana, you know? So it is, uh, it's definitely a skill that requires work being present and tracking your cycle is a really cool opportunity that specifically women have mm. to try and to connect a little bit more with your body yeah. it's okay to feel you know cravings it's okay to feel all those things it's giving yourself uh that permission to really surrender accept. surrender great word yeah yes. surrendering it's which is can be really challenging especially Definitely. if you're a type a i'm not myself but i do have some friends that are really type a and they like things to be how they like them and when their body doesn't go along with it they're wondering why they're so exhausted and yes. it's like cool. yeah the, the the cycle of of that the negativity negativity cycle exactly mm. so it's definitely cycle thinking will give you that gift of of appreciation yeah. and uh and permission to surrender oh that is so great isn't it surrendering so powerful okay um so to wrap up the conversation i would like to ask you sherry what does it mean to you to have a wild heart? To me, having a wild heart is definitely living with authenticity and living your truth. And especially when it comes to cycle syncing, I think we've touched a lot on presence and acceptance. And having a wild heart is accepting yourself because there's a lot of judgment and a lot of, of images and media and the things that tell us that we should be a certain way mm -hmm. and to be wild means to go against that and to live your authentic self being present is being wild oh sherry this is so fantastic thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us today um this has been a really grounding conversation um and for anybody listening where can they find you on the interwebs pm me about your periods yes <laughs> so you can find 
Instagram at Top Not Nutrition. And I'm happy to, I, I do uh, quite regular posts. I try to track my own cycle and what I'm going through at the time. So if there's things that could definitely apply to you there, I'd be happy to be a source of information. I always uh, vet my sources really well and I make sure that I'm giving you the best possible information I can. So I'm happy to hear from you, happy to talk to you and let, let's keep growing this community of really badass sisters. And you also teach yoga. So for those people in Toronto, um, where can they come and find you? I teach at Yoga Tree Studios downtown. There's a Richmond Spadina location and a location at Bay and Dundas. And I have my teaching schedule on my Instagram page as a, a permanent sticky story. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Sherry Johnson. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend or leave a review. The music track at the beginning of this episode is produced by Frankie Pye, a New Zealand-born, Toronto-based creative. You can find her music on SoundCloud. I'd also like to shout out my dear friend Gavin Woodhouse, who produced the incredible artwork for this podcast, and you can find him at www.gavinwoodhouse.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow along on Instagram at wildheartsclub.podcast.